Welcome to Max Storm Business Coaching for the Health and Fitness Professional Podcast, where you will hear and learn tips, tricks, and marketing secrets that will allow you to build your business from ordinary to extraordinary. Visit us at maxstormcoaching.com. Now, here's your host. Hello and welcome to MaxStormCoaching.com. This is Ashley Mazurik talking at you. Today, we are going to talk about scoliosis. Uh, It is a condition that I have. Um, It is a condition that um, a lot of people have uh, within the society. I got my first scoliotic client about 12 years ago that is still currently works with me. I, I think she works with me because she, uh, through the many years, knows how much I understand this condition and have helped her significantly uh, over the years. She was a client who had been going to the chiropractor three times a week to stay out of pain and uh, now maybe goes once or twice a month, if that. But so I want to talk about how we can uh, understand scoliosis with clients and create a little understanding. Uh, there's a lot to be said about scoliosis. And there are, there are difficult clients to work with, but they're also fun, challenging clients because they really make us look at the body in a completely different way. It's it's not a normal way in which to look at the body and way it responds. There are many times with my client that I've had to explain to her why she's having the issues that she has and how it's not so black and white as it relates to a normal person, a normal client, and that we always have to refer back to the scoliosis as the reason why she's having her issues. And it's really important that you are able to have a spine in your hand. You're able to draw pictures of that particular condition because if we look at scoliosis, there are aspects of it that can vary from person to person. For instance, uh, scoliosis, you can have a lateral flexion uh, that can turn into a C-curve or it can be an S-curve. You can also have a roto lateral flexive scoliosis, which can also be a S-curve or a C-curve. And ultimately, uh, this can lead to a tremendous amount of pain uh, because if you think about any of the situations, whether it's roto or lateral, ultimately, if the spine is bending to one side, you can see the vertebral bodies opening up within lateral flexion. So push out discs that can potentially cause bulges. And if there's shear force and compression and external loads that force that opening of the vertebral body to the disc, you can have herniations as a result. Um, when we look at these particular scoliosic clients, one of the things that ultimately when examining for me is I'm the why person. I always ask the question, why? Why is this happening? And so it's about finding the etiology. 
the root cause so that you can start from the root to ultimately render positive effects. And um, at the end of the day, are we going to completely fix and create perfect alignment uh, in the spinal column? Some cases we can, uh, believe it or not, and some cases we can't. Uh, in my particular client that I'll, I'll speak frequently about, because she's such an uh, interesting case, she, says she's, she is a, the worst case. I work with a lot of scoliotic uh, clients because it, it sort of became my niche, and I understand it. But, you know, classifying the scoliosis is is first and foremost. Is it a functional scoliosis or is it a structural scoliosis? Functional scoliosis tends to be uh, a condition where the musculoskeletal uh, system has acquired, has tightened to create this scoliosis. So it's about releasing muscles, okay? And, And as we know... Muscles move bones, and that's something that is easy and as simple as it is to understand. It's something that we always should try to remember. And structural is more genetic, and is, it's a more of an anomaly, and it has to do with the structural aspect of the body, which is the bones. And so, and functional, where it has to do with the musculoskeletal forming the, the bony structure and creating the scoliosis, this is typically done with a repetitive uh, movement of the body, typically unilateral. A sport uh, like tennis or golf can create this. And then structural, basically, you can identify a structural very easily. A structural started very young in this individual's life. Uh, one of the common questions I ask in identifying the etiology is I'll say, because my, you know, my child went through this in, in sixth grade, about 11 or 12 years old, they're told they do a scoliotic test in the school system. And I always say, back when you were younger, were you ever told that you had a scoliosis? And some of them will say, yeah. Yeah, um, they said it, was, it wasn't that big and it wasn't that major uh, to not worry about it. Well, I'm here to say that it is very important that you investigate and find uh, more resources to figure out how you can correct that scoliosis. Uh, I would always advise someone that has a child or a teen or teenager to find somebody that can help them um, with this scoliosis because scoliosis in a child up until probably 30s and 40s, they may be okay. They can be resilient. Um, lots of times if it's a, a large anomaly, the condition can get significantly worse. And that has, I have seen that and it's quite apparent in the mirror. Now, it's not so obvious because it's on the backside of your body. Not a lot of people look at their spines in the mirror from the rear. And so I've heard a lot of examples of people saying, yeah, it was just one day somebody saw the backside of me in a bathing suit and was like, why are your spine that way? And so then they sort of pinpointed it to their pain. Maybe not a, a lot of pain, but a little bit of pain. And then over the years, so what tends to be the impetus of 
figuring out what's going on in their body and why they have the pain is because when you get into a accident, car accidents, number one, usually that's when the pain gets significantly worse. It really kind of opens the scoliosis up into causing uh, pain symptoms. And lots of times doctors don't they don't respect the scoliosis as being the source. They, they, they typically go with the car accident that caused the pain rather than look at the spine and how the car accident just kind of increased it and made it significantly worse. So what I'm saying is scoliosis can cause back pain, can cause SI joint pain, can cause neck pain, can cause bulge herniations, uh, all of those things that they can blame on the car accident when really it was the root cause was the initial scoliosis that resided in their body that was compounded by the car accident. And so, you know, the scoliosis oftentimes has the tendency to knock out the atlas, uh, which is the first vertebrae underneath the cranium, which has to do with the reticular activating system that ultimately um, can cause tightness and tonicity on one side of the body. And so can an atlas, is the question, cause the scoliosis? Atlas dysfunctions can cause, cause scoliosis. That's why it's really important that you find somebody that is very adverse in the scoliosis and tr- truly finding the etiology, that they're not assuming that it's, um, that it's you know, an anomaly in the body. When I say anomaly, meaning a scoliosis can, can rise from a structural issue uh, that has to do with a hemipelvis, which is where typically... If you have uh, in a pelvis, you have two ileas, one on one, the pelvic, pelvis on one side and a pelvic on the other side. Well, one ilium from the top of the iliac crest to the ischial tuberosity at the inferior aspect of the pelvis or the ilium on that one side is smaller or larger, which as you can, if you visualize, you can see how that can throw the entire spine out of whack, especially in a seated position because it kind of puts you on a tilt. And the body always runs from pain. So it will compensate in so many different ways so that the body ultimately gets out of pain. And that's where you can create a scoliosis. Also, there's the structural anomaly of the lower extremity. So you can have a tibia or you can have a femur that is larger or smaller on one side. And so 50% of leg length inequalities have a hemipelvis. And that's that's probably pretty pretty accurate as far as all the clients over the years that I've looked at um, as, re- as regards to that statistic. So for me, I'm always checking to see if there's a hemipelvis involved, if there's a leg length inequality. I do my examination. I do my measurements. But I never... Uh, guess on that. I am super conservative in that regard. So I will follow it up with an x-ray where the x-ray identifies the bony uh, inequality. And that is validation that there is something wrong. Now, there's a lot that goes into making that decision. And at the end of the day, I even say that the the, the x-ray is a number. I have my ideas. And then it always goes back to what best serves the body to not create too much change too fast to cause pain symptoms. And when I do that, um, you know, if there was a 16 millimeter 
leg length. It doesn't mean that I'm giving somebody a six millimeter lift. It means that I am adapting slowly to what I ultimately feel their body go be- going back into balance and what ultimately feels good for the client. Uh, in some cases, I'll eventually get to this 16 millimeter if I see positive feedback and hear positive feedback from the client. And oftentimes, if this is the etiology, it is mind-blowing to hear from the client that within 24 hours of creating a better balance within the body, the pain is completely eliminated. And I've had a, a, a tremendous amount of success stories where people have called me the next day and said, you know, it's been 20 years since I've been out of pain. And uh, since putting in my lift to create balance, uh, I am out of pain and are so very thankful. So if we can reach an individual prior to puberty, then we, and research doesn't show if it's, if it's the short leg or if it's the long leg, but, um, somehow the lift in a prepubescent individual can make those bones grow equally. And with constant, constant, what I mean by they come back and I take a look probably every two weeks in the beginning and then every month we slowly take out the millimeters to the point where they are now equal. And I can say that I did that with my nephews and nieces because when I say genetic, what I mean is because I had a leg length inequality, I then uh, researched into my siblings who then also, when my brother had chronic pain and my sister had pain, she didn't have persistent or chronic pain. And so we uh, analyzed them and both of them had uh, leg length inequalities that were quite significant, more significant than the mine. I, I ended up getting fairly lucky, but uh, we're able to eliminate their pain and get them into balance. But if from there, my point is I took my sister's kids and we analyzed them. I also did my own child who didn't end up having uh, a leg length. She did have a collapsed arch, which presented as a leg length. But once I Uh, did my checks and balances, validated with an x-ray, it showed that she did not have one. But my sister's kids ended up having them. So we ended up correcting their inequalities because we caught this before um, they were 18. And so they are, thank goodness, don't have to require or wear a, a lift in their shoes all the time, every day. And that is the downside of checking it post uh, puberty is the bones are solidified. The apophyseal joints are, aren't going to change. And so now you're for the rest of your life, um, unfortunately paying for uh, expensive shoes, meaning you can insert a lift and from a cobbler to the required millimeter height. Or um, if you've got laced up shoes, which is nice, you just insert a, um, like a, like an insole into the tennis shoe and that gives you the lift that you need. But if unfortunately for sandals and flip-flops, you're going to have to get a cobbler to um, build that into the shoe, which isn't fun. But if you're a if you love shoes, it basically uh, wipes that ability to go buy shoes all the time because um, it can get very expensive. Um, so no fun on that. Um, so when dealing with that particular type of situation, 
Um, one of the things that, you know, you have to do is be very careful about jumping to that conclusion. And again, I always say in situations, if you don't know, we have to refer out to somebody who does. And it is a lifesaver. It's worth uh, the time and money for that individual to find somebody to remedy this problem. Um, So once I find it, once I figure it out, once we insert a lift in somebody who's post uh, puberty, then it then becomes a program that is about creating balance uh, to make them feel better. Now, obviously, you're you're assessing to figure out where the distortions lie, how the spine is situated, so then the corrective stretch and mobilization program addresses the tightness and strengthens the weak, uh, lengthened muscles uh, with that particular situation, and then follow suiting with a stability program that then refacilitates balance back into the body. It's really important. And, you know, in in situations like this, and when I used to work at the pain clinic, I would tell these people that once you have scoliosis and you've had it for a very long time, you it's a bad day to not love the exercise gym because in order to stay out of pain, because your body has adapted for so very long with these distortions, you constantly have to stay committed to consistently stretching to keep your body back into that balance because the muscle does have memory. Even with a lift, I know from my own experience that if I go three or four days without getting in the gym and doing my stretch and mobilization program, I can feel my body falling back into its distortion. And ultimately, I I don't want that to happen because then your atlas ends up going out, your pelvis ends up um, going into a flexion disorder, uh, and there's pain in the back, um, there's pain in the hips. And so you have to be committed to uh, your program. Uh, it's really important for your health. And, you know, at the same time, you know, it's a, it's a good idea that we all have a consistent program to keep our body uh, uh, fluid and healthy and strong and stable. Um, so consistency is key. And so um, I wanted to talk about this today because there, you know, the statistics, depending on the resource that you read, uh, scoliosis is pretty common and about, they say 50% of the population has a scoliosis, but don't forget, and I know I said it earlier, but I want to preface and say that you can get a scoliosis from having an atlas out. Um, so it's really important that whoever is assessing is able to assess the cranium and the atlas to make sure that it's in place. And, you know, what can cause an atlas to go out? Well, lots of things. Um, You you can have um, inflammation within the gut wall, which causes destabilization within the core that throws the pelvis out because there's there's a loss of force and form closure um, within the pelvis, which then allows the pelvis to migrate into a flexion disorder, which allows the spine to, to move into lateral flexion or curvature that may stay in the lumbar and may follow suit all the way up into the thoracic and the cervical, which would ultimately take out uh, um, an atlas because the eyes always want to be level with the horizon. And if the body sits in a tilt and a rotation, uh, the head and neck is going to accommodate and adapt. 
Um, so making sure that you checking off the boxes and making sure that the person is qualified to identify that. Um, there's, there's lots of, uh, tests and measurements that you can do. Um, for me, I don't play the guessing game at all. I, I always uh, do a x-ray, which creates validation. And I go over that with the client and make them uh, allow them to understand what this potentially means. And also for uh, the experience of working with uh, people like myself that solely rely on an x-ray and an x-ray and uh, giving them the, the exact measurement and going with that, I don't think that's a, the best way to do it either because when you have a scoliosis, you have distortions. And if they've been distorted for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, it's very hard to balance the body out in an x-ray. In other words, the x-ray will also, well, the body will hold the distortions and you can work those distortions out, but you're never going to work them completely out because it's been there for so long. So what I'm saying is the x-ray will also show up those distortions, which also throws the number off. That's why it's really important to consider the x-ray, consider your measurements, consider your assessment, but then also consider um, slowly working in lifts uh, and millimeter heights to then adjust and see if the body is accommodating and where it finds its best balance. And it's not always what the x-ray says. Um, so there's there's a lot of intuitive uh, processes that go into this. Yes, education is important. Knowledge is important. Experience is extremely important. Before you make that final, um, you know, diagnosis, I, I guess I would say. Um, and, you know, do we, do we as practitioners and coaches ever want to hurt someone? No. And so that's why I always use a very conservative approach. Um, that's the last thing that's ever on our plan as we never want to do harm. So we always want to do the, uh, the best we can to help our people. And so that's why I always say, if you don't feel confident, then find somebody who is well qualified and is comfortable doing this because it is, uh, it is a game changer with a persistent client who has with a persistent pain client. Um, so that's really the topic and all I wanted to talk today about it. There's, there's a, it's a, it's a long, um, path that creates this a path. What I mean is it can start very young in someone's life. Um, but when I say it's genetic, oftentimes the big nomers is like my father was always had back pain. My mother has pain. And so it wasn't, it was, didn't take a genius for me to, uh, accept the fact that I potentially had a leg length and then to spread my concern and knowledge to my siblings where if it's genetic, then it, they could also have these issues and they did have pain. So, um, one of the things I'll ask is, you know, do you, do you, either of your parents, are they, did they ever have back pain or did they ever have pain in their life? And lots of times they'll say, yeah, um, my dad very, from very young, uh, remember him always having pain. And so it could have come from the father or if, if, if it was the mother always, it could have come from the mother and that's fine too. So, but to not forget about that, um, 
genetic aspect that if you do find someone, really talk to them about their kids, um, especially before they hit puberty. All right. Well, thanks for listening and hearing about this little piece of information I had to offer. Um, always, if you have questions, you know where to find me. I'm at Ashley at balancepod.com. And um, there is the Max Storm Coaching website that also offers the ability for you to express your thoughts and opinions and comments. We welcome it. Um, wishing you the best and productive day that you can have. Um, always, always think about serving yourself and having some fun today. Enjoy some aspect of it that serves you. Um, that's what keeps us. That's what keeps us happy. And keeps that's what keeps life fun. So do something for yourself. Um, spread the love, and we'll chat next time. Thank you for listening to the Max Storm Business Coaching Podcast. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play so you don't miss.